Hello and welcome to Industry Minds, the podcast that discusses the importance of talking about mental health within the creative arts. My name is Kathy Reed, And my name is Scarlett Maltman. And this week we are joined by a very well-known name in the industry. He's about to become alternate Jamie New in Everybody's Talking About Jamie at the Apollo Theatre. It is the lovely Luke Bayer. Hello. Hello, how are you? Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Luke has taken some time out of his very busy schedule to chat to us. So, first of all, we're going to play a word association game. So Scarlett's going to give you some words, and you just need to say the first thing that pops into your head, whatever that may be. Are you ready, Luke? I think so. Okay. Coffee. Cup. Scooter. Me. Drag. Queen. Yeba Smith. Riff. Third year showcase. Rock of Ages. <laughs> Headshots. Awful. Hilary Duff. Ooh, dunno. <laughs> Stage door. Pictures. Fan mail. Cute. Okay, let's get started. So I gather that you have been involved in theatre from a very young age. When did you first develop your passion for performing? Um, I did a pantomime when I was about four and my sister was in it. She had a song and I was very jealous that I didn't. Um, and I was like one of the um, like little ducks. There was like a main duck and I was one of the little ones. And um, at the curtain call, obviously the curtains closed and we'd all waved. It was the pantomime. It was Mother Goose actually, it was the pantomime. And the curtains had closed and I opened the curtains and just stood and waved at everyone. And obviously I got away with it because I was cute. But um, very unprofessional behaviour there actually. Shame on me. That's adorable. So you started your YouTube channel around 10-ish years ago. You've now got over 3,000 followers, uh, subscribers on there. What made you initially start your YouTube journey and how did putting yourself out there for everyone to see um, affect you mentally? Um, I don't know, to be honest. I started doing it when I was about 14. I remember buying a mic um, and just plugging it into my laptop and just recording just because I wanted to hear what I sounded like. My voice was still breaking, so I was kind of experimenting with different sounds, different different kind of bits of my voice um, and I actually had I remember I had, a, I had originally had a YouTube channel which I think was Luke Bayer it was just my name and I um, remember watching the videos one day and literally just thinking I am shocking someone had comment, commented something horrible on there which people do um, and I can't remember what it was but they were basically like you're crap or something and I was like oh great and I, I just it, my mind that day I must have just been like ugh I'm over it so I just deleted the whole channel deleted all my videos all of it and I had I actually had a bigger following because it was just after X Factor then so I had like a lot of views I had like hundreds of thousands on some videos and I just deleted it because I was like I'm rubbish that was that day and then I recreated my YouTube channel and made it Luke Bayer too but I initially I didn't think about how many people would see it or or how it would have helped me because I think now looking back it's helped me out so much I've done so many amazing concerts and gigs and met so many amazing people from the videos I've posted um, and I actually think for me it was just a great learning curve because I look back now at the videos that I did maybe seven years ago and I go, oh, that's awful. Or I can hear where I'm placing notes where I go, I don't like that. I like that sound. I don't like that sound. And then it kind of helps me create and build. Um, so for me, I kind of did it for a learning thing. But I also remember when I went to Mountview, um, the year above it had a house party just before we started and someone had said at this house party I was told afterwards by a friend that was already at Mount View had said, I said oh god have you seen that awful boy that's coming that posts all the YouTube videos the cringy YouTube videos and I was like oh that's interesting flash forward like four or five years 
when we'd left Mountview and I saw this boy at Mountview and I only found out years later he messaged me on Insta- on um, Facebook Messenger and said hey mate just wondered how you started up your YouTube channel and how I can get viewers and I thought hmm that's interesting but like I'm not someone that holds a grudge so I just kind of helped him out but I just think it's interesting because YouTube's such an amazing tool and I think you shouldn't be scared to put stuff out there and people are always and I always tell myself this people are always going to try and pull you down if you're doing well or if, if it's not good and I think it's so important to support other people and I don't know why you would want to pull someone else down when they're brave enough to put themselves out there. It's scary enough anyway, and you've got all your own mental baggage to take on when you're posting stuff like that, because there's stuff in it. There'll always be stuff when I watch videos and I've recorded something that I go, hmm, that could be better, but I don't, I try not to hang on to that just so that I can put it out there and then I can look back and go, I remember recording that and not being that happy with that, but then I've worked on it and now it sounds like this and I can do it better. And, I, and, and you're always building. I just think, I think for me, it's like a tool for learning. So just on that, on the comment situation, the guy that said, oh, you're crap, and then you deleted it. Do you find now that if you ever get negative comments, do they still affect you as much as they maybe did when you were younger? Or are you more able to just go, that's clearly someone that has an issue with whatever and they don't need to be bringing me down? Um, to be honest, I just, I just kind of find it funny now. I just look at them and I think, OK, cool, because it's not going to affect what I do um, and as I said people are always going to try and pull you down and like Natalie Weiss does all the stuff and she posts she does stuff at her concerts where she's um, uh, someone had said to her that she what did someone say on one of her videos that she couldn't act her way out of a paper bag and obviously she's hilarious and I love Natalie and she said um, and then at her concert <laughs> she put herself in this big brown paper bag and ripped herself out of the bag and she was like oh that's funny I've just acted my way out of a bag or something like that um, and I just think it's really fun to I think you kind of have to find the light in it and just and, and, and it, does, it doesn't really matter as long as you're happy and you're doing what you want to do and you've got supportive people around you give a beep <laughs> So, you began to professionally train at Mountview. Uh, you graduated in 2015? Yeah. yeah. Um, nothing really prepares you for drama school. Um, we've all been to drama school here. Uh, how did you cope mentally with the intensity of being at Mountview? Um, I really loved it. I loved my time there. I had a really good time, mainly for the people. Um, I wasn't a favourite at college at all. I was not a favourite. I wasn't one of the people that was given all the parts. In fact, I was probably the opposite. Um, but I I used that as momentum to be like, right, I'm going to do my own stuff. And that's when my YouTube came in. I was doing loads of concerts outside of Mountview when I was there because I was like, I'm not going to get the exposure from the school because I'm not a favourite, which is fine. Um, it just made me work harder. Um, and, 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 and again, drama school is one of those places where everyone's everyone's lovely that I had a really lovely year but like everyone's kind of so paranoid for themselves everyone's wants themselves to do well um which is completely understandable but it's it's such a weird a weird vibe because everyone's fighting to get to third year and then when it gets to third year everyone's everyone's wanting each other to do well like massively but everyone's wanting like a good part in a show and obviously if not everyone can have a good part and some people will fall by the wayside I didn't really get to sing in third year um and the agent I actually signed with at the end of third year um, knew of me from my YouTube and the concerts I'd done outside of the school but, but again that for myself, for myself I was just I, I think what's the, is it Frank Sinatra's quote that's the best revenge is great success and it's you've just got to kind of plough on and again you're not going to please everyone so you kind of have to just do you you do you and because I'm still learning as well do you know what I mean when I was at college I was very 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 vulnerable 
on the topic of that then, what was your main struggles at drama school? Um, my confidence, to be honest. I finished Mount View with no confidence. I loved it and I had a great time, but I was so in my own head of thinking, am I doing this right? Am I breathing properly? Am I singing properly? Um, what am I going to get cast as? Um, and you can develop so many like fears and then as soon as you let those fears kind of take over, you're doomed because you are the one that's got to go into a room and sell yourself and be able to go in confident and like kind of calm and breezy. And, and it's, I think it's a skill to be able to kind of put all that baggage to one side and go, do you know what? I went to drama school. I, I kept having to remind myself why I went in the first place and, and for me kind of my YouTube and the concerts and stuff I was doing outside was a kind of reminder that I was in the right direction and and yeah I think that for me that was kind of a saving grace and I've always said that and I did, I did love my time at Mountview and I understand that the teachers have to be hard on you to kind of get the best results sometimes but, um, but it's hard because you've kind of got to build yourself back up when you get the knockdown and you get told that something's not right or something's wrong and then because it's and everything's I always tell myself this everything's temporary and however you perform in that moment is the best you can give at that moment I remind myself that all the time even now when I'm on in the show some days you, like you might be injured you might be have a sore throat you might anything and you've just got to kind of put that to one side and give the best you've got in that moment which I think is so important and that that takes a lot of the pressure and the stress away that you can sometimes feel which I, I maybe found harder to deal with at drama school because I wasn't taking the. I was putting so much pressure on myself to prove that I was good enough that, that I, sh I did. I did deserve to be there, which is so ridiculous. Because I'm, you go to drama school to better yourself. You don't go to drama school for for other people to pile their opinions on you, and and you can get so overwhelmed with all these notes. And and I know that I did. And looking back, that's my my main thing was learning to how to deal with all this. I don't know, kind of pressure that you put on yourself. What were some positives of drama school that helped your mental health? Um, I, I I did love it. I thought I had such a good time. The people I met, like I've made some like friends for life, like really supportive people, um, and everyone was willing for each other to do well. And um, I, I think you learn so much, like being away from home as well, like. Because I, I know some people go to drama school when they're 16, come down to London when they're 16. I could never have done that. I was 20 when I started Mountview. And I was still kind of finding my feet, like learning to cook for myself, which I'm still awful at and I'm now 26. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, just just the whole experience really like meeting people for me I absolutely adored the the tutors that came in from outside like we had a teacher Charlotte Scott Charlotte Baker um who came in and taught tap and she was in she's been in loads of stuff she was in Matilda I think when she taught us at college and she was so inspiring she used to come in and she'd she'd give you um information about like auditions and stuff and she was so honest and frank which I loved um and we had another guy called Kieran Jay who taught us for jazz and he was always really like like wanted to build you up and then actually Tamsin Carroll who's in Jamie with me now she plays Miss Hedge she was genuinely one of the loveliest teachers um, I think I've ever had um, and we, she came in at a point in second year and you know when everyone says in second year second term every drama school whichever one you go to everyone's like oh god second year second term because there's so much work and there's so much pressure and everyone's getting ill and all this kind of stuff and she came in second year second term and she just kind of built everyone up in acting through song she was so complimentary but like constructive she was giving feedback that was really helpful but she said it in a nice way that made you feel like you were on the right track and then um and I always say this to her at work now I'm like 
because whenever I see anyone in my year, they're like, we love Tamsin. And it's just because she's genuinely such a lovely person, like, and having worked with her this year, like, oh, I love her. I'm obsessed with her. She's phenomenal. Every single show, she's phenomenal. And she's the loveliest person to be around and work with. And I've learned so much as well, having seen how, having worked with her in college and she's helped me. And then having now worked with her out in the industry, she's she's just so lovely, so professional, comes in every day and she's like, hello, like so consistently just great I love her so you then graduated in 2015 as previously mentioned do you remember the immediate mental effects of graduating and how did you personally cope with this change um so when I finished I I actually went straight on tour um I was in China um doing the 12 tenors with um Danny Becker who went to Art Ed, who I love who's um yeah, I love Danny. Um, and we became very, very good friends on the tour. I was loving the tour, having such a good time. Um, I did find it hard being away in such a different place. I'm not a big eater, so I struggled for food in China. I basically survived off Oreos, and I spent £15 one day on a packet of salt and vinegar walkers because I was desperate. Um, I lost, like, two stone whilst I was there, and I'm this is quite slim anyway, so that was scary. But I... Um, I then had to come home because my dad had quite a serious um, bike accident, so I was in hospital and um, like it was quite hit and miss um, with his health. So I had to come home, I left that tour four weeks early, flew back from China and then I actually had some time out for about maybe five, six months just to stay at home and like kind of, my dad was in hospital for months, so I stayed at home to kind of help my mum and look out for that. So that kind of took me out of the bubble for a little bit and then I moved back to London in the February and I worked front of house for three months at Wicked, which I'd not done before, and met some lovely people. Again, I've got some like some of my best friends I met uh, there who were really lovely, um, and we were all kind of just auditioning for things, kind of going in for auditions, not getting it, and being like, oh, and, and you, you kind of question whether you are actually on the right track, and it's hard to kind of keep momentum and keep going to auditions. and. That, that was kind of a struggle to be honest but I was kind of keeping myself busy with the friends that I was making and I think it's so important to go out and have a good time as well and not restrict yourself because you can kind of become like I need I need to, I need to stay in because I need to and, and, and it's tight as well because you're not you're not earning loads of money and and it is hard it's really hard but you've got to make sure that you still go out and have a good time and enjoy the people's company that you're with at the time which I think is so important for your mental health um, and I worked at Wicked for a few months and then I left there I worked at a gym for a month the early starts were too much and that was killing me um, oh it's awful I had to, I, I loved the job I had so much fun um, yeah but all the kinky stuff that goes on in gyms I was very shocked I'm just going to say that I'm saying say no more um, but <laughs> But, um, and that can stay in the interview. Uh, <laughs> but I worked there for a month, um, which was fun, but the early hours were killing me. Um, and then I worked in AKA, which is a, a media marketing agency, and they do a lot of the tickets and branding for the big shows, which I loved. I absolutely loved that job. Working with creative people, um, and that was working like 8.30 till 5 every day. So it was kind of like a normal job, but then I'd go to like cool press nights and things via the company, which was amazing, and the people there were lovely. I really, really liked that job, and I love AKA. I think they're amazing. Um, so so I, I was kind of very lucky. I kind of went from job to job, um, and then when I found myself at AKA, I realised that I, I loved that because it was still within the creative industry, which I think if you're auditioning and stuff maybe isn't going your way it's important to try and find something that is still creative or you're with creative people um to kind of keep your brain ticking over and 
in this time I was still doing all my YouTube videos, singing at concerts and stuff and kind of trying to keep putting myself out there just for my own self and to enjoy myself. So one of the main stresses of graduating is finding an agent. A lot of people think if you sign to a big agent that this will absolutely guarantee your, your chance of getting work. Others think the opposite. If you sign with someone smaller, then you won't get work. Um, for me, this whole side of third year about getting an agent was the worst part. Um, as I immediately placed all those who I knew were getting top agents that they were going to be much more successful than me and I automatically viewed myself as less talented and wasn't going to be successful. You were someone who signed to a huge and massively successful agent straight away from graduating. What are your views on this outlook? Um, yeah, I think it's an interesting one with agents because um, it, it completely differs for different people. Um, I've been looking and have had uh, two brilliant agents um, who I think are fantastic and I love both of them and I'm still friends with them both. Um, but I'm, the agent I'm with now, I feel for me, um, is completely the right match um, and for some people you don't find that straight away um, my agent now Jamie um, is at 33 his agency and he's fantastic like he's really 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 personal um, and he's very very supportive he knows exactly the kind of things I want to do the kind of things I don't want to do and he knows like where my strengths lie where my strengths don't lie so he won't submit me for things that he knows are gonna make me feel uncomfortable or um, which I, which I think is really important. I think it's important to um, know the kind of things you want to be up for and be able to discuss that with your agent without feeling scared to call them. Or um, you, you need to be completely honest with your agent because you need to be working together to get the jobs. Because if you're working in opposition or one of you is thinking that you need, you're right for this and you're going, oh God, I'm not right for that, then it's not going to work because you, you end up going up for the things that you're not right for. So you're not going to book the work. Because um, I know that if you sent me to a dance call for cats... I uh, probably wouldn't book the job um, because uh, I can dance, but dancing is not my main forte and I'm sure there will be people in the room much better dancers than myself. Um, but I just think it's important to find kind of the right match for you. Um, and as I said, I've been very lucky to have had some lovely agents who I'm still very much friends with, um, but just at the time or whatever, weren't weren't quite the right match for me and we both kind of acknowledged that and then you kind of move on and, and then you do find the right match for you and because when I met with Jamie, my agent now, he was like, right, he was like, we need to get you a job. He was like, you need to be singing, you need to be playing a lead in the West End. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I was kind of shocked that someone had that much belief in me, which is so lovely. And I think you need someone that's completely on your side, is completely fighting for you. And um, you can only really judge that by yourself. Like I've had some friends that have gone for meetings with agents and gone, oh, I love them. And then other friends that have gone and gone, oh no, not for me. And it just completely differs for different people. But I don't think you need a huge agent to get you... Um, a job you just need an agent that's on your side that is willing to fight for you and call up and say come on see this person they're amazing they're perfect for the job but you need to know as well I think it's so important actually that you know the things that you're actually right for because if you're there's this times when I've gone I think I'm right for this and then I've actually looked and gone no Luke you're being ridiculous you can't play Audrey in Little Shopper for us like obviously not that ridiculous but like that is far-fetched but you've got to know the things you're right for as well because if your agent's fighting for you to get in the room for something and submitting you for something it's their head on the line as well so if you're going into a room and you're completely wrong for something they're not going to then want to see you again because you're kind of delusional like you need to know the things that you're right for and 
and be able to go into a room knowing you're right for it, smashing it, being prepared. I think being prepared is so important for auditions. I've learned that along the way. Um, I definitely think actually at drama school there was times when I maybe wasn't as prepared as I should have been and it kind of went against me. And, um, and there's so many people that are well prepared and I don't think there's any excuse for that. So I've kind of diverted off the question, but for me, like I've learned, if you're prepared for an audition or something, you will go in and you'll do the best you can do because you're prepared. My dad always used to say to me, um, fail to prepare, prepare to fail, and it's so true. You're brilliant, look. I could listen to you talk all day. Okay, so look, how did your mental health change over the last three years from graduation? Now, when I first met you, but it feels like ages ago now, you told me that you were going to close the door on the industry. Um, what made you get to that point? Um, I just felt like I wasn't kind of getting in the room for things. I didn't know what was right for me anymore. Um, and I don't know, I kind of just lost my way a little bit, to be honest. Um, I, I wasn't kind of fulfilling what I thought I would be doing or... I wasn't maybe enjoying it as much as I thought I would be or should be. Um, and it made me kind of question whether I was, was doing the right thing or whether I should be doing something else. Um, and I was doing a show at the Hope Mill, which was transferring to London, and I, I loved it at the Hope Mill. I did, I did it for a four or five week run. And at the end of the four or five weeks, I was like, I really enjoyed that. And I think for me, I'd kind of gained all I could at that time from the show. Um, and I... And then the show was coming to London and my agent had said to me at the time, my old agent had said, oh, you must do with the transfer. And I'd, I knew in my heart that I didn't want to. Um, and I kind of felt like I had to do it because my agent wanted me to do it. Um, and I just knew it wasn't right for me. Um, so I said, I'm really sorry, but I'm going to pull out of the show in, in, for the transfer. Um, I think the show was fantastic. I went to see it and the people in it were amazing. Really lovely group of people. But I just knew at the time it wasn't right for me. Um, I don't know whether that was because I, I think I'd kind of closed the door on that particular show once I'd done it in Manchester. I loved it, but I just knew that was the right amount of time for it. Um, and I, I, I didn't know what else was coming up and I kind of thought... I really enjoyed my time at AKA. Maybe I should go into the other side. Maybe I should go for agent meetings to, to be an assistant agent, to work as an agent, because I think I would really like to do that too. Um, so I had a few interviews, and I had an, uh, an interview for quite a big agency in London. And I had three interviews for the job, and they were really lovely, gorgeous office. And the people in the office were lovely, and I kind of thought... I've got this. And the woman had said to me, um, she said, oh, we want someone that knows about musical theatre that would be happy to kind of go see shows, find new clients, maybe go over to New York and watch shows. And I was thinking, this is perfect. I can do that. Anyway, I didn't get that job. Um, I got an email saying, hi, Luke, we really loved you, but unfortunately we've gone with someone else and it was between me and the other person. And I was literally like, oh, my God, because I'd kind of moved back to London thinking I was going to start that job. Um, so that kind of fell through and I was gutted, to be honest. I was completely gutted because I thought, oh, my God, what am I going to do now? So anyway, I did some nannying for a few weeks, some mannying for um, a company called My Big Buddy. Shout out if, uh, if any boys out there are listening to this get involved because I absolutely loved working for them like I worked with some really lovely families um, and I was just kind of doing fun things like I was scooting around London with some kids like through Regent's Park and just doing really nice like activities and um, and I did that for a few weeks uh, for about a month 
And then I thought, do you know what? I kind of spoke with some of my best friends, kind of asked their opinions and thought, am I, am I kind of giving in too early? And I knew Jamie was coming to town. I was like, I'd love to be in that. But it just kind of felt like such a far away... I was at such a such a different place that I thought I just felt like it wasn't achievable. Um, and um, I'd done some bad auditions before and I thought, oh, I'd... I'd I can't audition anymore um, and I kind of got to a place where I just thought it's it's not just it's not going to happen for me it's not meant to be um, and I thought you know what I'll speak to Jamie who's my agent now who I'd met with at the end of third year who I absolutely loved um, and I he was one of the agents I'd met with and I really kind of was torn when I signed with my agent that I did sign with and Jamie because I really liked him I thought he was such a lovely person um, which I think was so important to me I really wanted to sign with someone lovely the agent I signed with was also lovely but I just couldn't decide who I wanted to sign with and I, because of the bigger name I thought I'll sign with them so um, so I thought you know what I'll reach back out to him because I knew he'd just left the agency he was working with and started his own agency and I thought he might not be interested now and, and <clears throat> the time might have kind of gone there and I said to him oh I'd love to meet up with you and even just kind of for a chat and for some advice because I really appreciate and admire his opinion so I met up with him and I kind of spoke about what I was doing I was very honest and I said I've been for agent interviews to work for an agent he was like no you're giving up too early he was like you you need to fight this and kind of plow through and I said I really want to be seen for Jamie um and I I kind of was at the point where I was like oh I I don't I don't know what I'm gonna do I don't know if I'll get seen for Jamie and anyway I saw Jamie on the Friday he called me at nine o'clock on the Monday at this point I wasn't signed with him and he said I've got you in for Jamie you're in tomorrow and that was kind of it. And I, my, my, my mental state at that time was, I'd listened to the soundtrack, the concept recording story for Jamie, and I was like, I really want this. And I'd had a friend that had seen it at press night in Sheffield. She'd said to me, if that comes to town, which it will, you need to be the cover. And I was like, oh my God, I would love to. But again, it just seemed so far away. And I went in for the audition and I went in with the mindset. I was really prepared. And I just went in thinking, I want this job and I can, I can do this. I know I can do this. This is mine. And I went in. I didn't think about anyone else auditioning for it. I, I literally just went in really prepared. And it was kind. I felt like it was kind of my last, the last bit of my fight for that job. And I went in, I think I was just kind of really honest. And yeah, it was, it was amazing. That audition for me was... I, I just enjoyed myself and I don't think I've ever done that before with an audition, like gone in and enjoyed it so much. Um, so that kind of, for me, was a turning point and I kind of learned from my own mistakes and just to enjoy it because we put so much pressure on ourselves and we don't enjoy it and then you go, you get into a mindset of going, why am I doing this? And we do it because we love it and because it's amazing. And the only person that can tell you that is yourself. Like, you're the person that goes into the room, you're the person that goes in like, hey... I love this show, I love this part, and I would love to give it a go, and that's kind of what I did with Jamie, and then it all just kind of fell into place. So it was, it was amazing. It was honestly like it was meant to be. Like, and I'm such a big believer in that, and when people ask me, I always say, what is for you will not pass you by. Like, if you work hard and persist, because I so nearly cut ties and was like, I can't do it anymore, I just cannot do it, and now I'm so grateful that I did. So obviously now we know that you are about to become alternate Jamie. You've been uh, covering Jamie for the last how many months? Nearly a year. Nearly a year, yeah. Um, and this is coming out on Thursday and I think you're about to become alternate on Monday. So make sure you go see Luke. Um, so how did it feel getting that job after being like, oh, I think I might become an agent's assistant, I might quit the industry. What was that huge life-changing job like for you? Um, honestly, it was phenomenal. I couldn't believe it. I, 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 it, it took like a week or two weeks to process it. Like I told some of my best friends, and they burst out crying. And I, and they were like, "Have you cried?" And I was like, "No." 
And they were like, what? And I was like, I, I just, it didn't, it honestly didn't process. Like, I didn't realise how much of a, of a big deal it was. Like, um, and I think it's so easy to kind of lose perspective. But I, 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 it just felt completely surreal to me because I was so obsessed with the concept album. Um, and, and I'd seen, like, the West End Life performance from the year before with John McCree, who plays Jamie. And I think he's phenomenal. And I was, I couldn't believe that I would kind of be the second person to play that role. And... If John went off, I'd be the person that would go. I, I, it just all that felt very surreal, um, and I've, I've honestly loved every second of it. Like it was, it just felt completely surreal. The creative team were so lovely in my audition. It, it, it was honestly insane. I came out and I just couldn't believe it. So tell us, what is everybody's talking about Jamie actually about? Everybody's talking about Jamie is about a sixteen-year-old boy, Jamie New, who. Um, kind of overcomes his fears his struggles um to kind of be himself and um and i think that that's the kind of the main theme of the show is about how important it is to be yourself there is no one like you we're all unique and it's finding the thing that makes you happy and being free to embrace that and it's amazing like i've cried at stage door before because we've had so many people and like young kids that have come to stage door and they've gone the show you the everything about the show is as you've changed my life and like we've had kids that have come to the show that have not been sure about who they are their identity and they've now fully embraced it and i think it's amazing that a show has been able to do that and help people in such a massive way um and it's amazing because real jamie as well jamie campbell um he comes all the time and he is the sweetest human on the planet him and his mum margaret they are so lovely um huge supporters of the show um and it's amazing that it's a true story. Like, And if you watch the documentary, which was on BBC Three, I think it might be back on BBC iPlayer now, it's, the, the show is kept so true to the documentary that Jonathan Butterell, our director, he was the one that saw the documentary and was like, that needs to be a musical. And it was all his idea. He's a genius and also the loveliest man. Um, he's put so much time into me as well, which I think is amazing because as the cover, I don't think you would normally get that. I still have rehearsal calls with him because he's like, I want you to be the best that you can be, which I think is so lovely. I've learned so much from working with him. Um, I think I've kind of divulged off the conversation of the, of the actual question, but, um, but yeah, it's about a boy who wants to be, be himself and is kind of trying to find his way in this weird and wonderful world. So, Getting back onto the topic of mental health, um, have there been any mental health issues for you while you've been in Jamie? Um, obviously, a lot of people just see the top of the iceberg, like the social media, what, like the amazing things. Um, what are the differences from being in work and struggling with mental health to being out of work? Um, I think I always say this, and I always post this on my social medias, but I always think everyone is fighting a battle you know nothing about be kind always that's one of my favorite quotes um because i've had the best year like honestly like career-wise i've had such an amazing time um but then there's always stuff under the levels under the layers that people don't know are going on like this year i've had horrendous struggles with my skin um which is like for me is a real like psychological um like problem for me like if my skin gets bad my confidence goes through the floor and then and then I have to go on and do a show and be this confident amazing character but and there's all this singing to think about there's all the acting there's all the story the truth and that like the character but then you've got so much of your own baggage going on and it's being able to kind of disconnect your life with the show and and it, it can be quite hard like um 
and yeah it's it's that for me that's been like a huge struggle this year like and I've actually now like found out what it was it wasn't what was causing it and so I've kind of got it sorted but that you've got all those other things going on that can affect your mental health and um so it's sometimes being able to connect to yourself well it is it's when you're playing a character you find things in yourself that help you relate to the story and like there was one night when I had had a real I'd had a real problem with my skin I'd come into work and I'd, I was crying my eyes out one of the head of wardrobe I'll cry talking about it um when I had of wardrobe I come up to me and she was like you're so gorgeous and I, I just felt so hideously ugly that day I couldn't look at myself in the mirror and I had to go on stage and I was I'd covered my face in makeup because I felt so disgusting and Jamie sings a song in the second half called ugly in this ugly world and I that day I felt horrific I could barely get through the song because the words felt so poignant in my life I felt completely disgusting it was awful and I honestly and and that was that was something in my life that was going on that I could relate to in the show with Jamie that that particular day and other days I'll be feeling great and like I'll go on I'll be given all the sass of Jamie and and that's kind of something you find um (laughs) um that's something you find in in yourself you it's, it's about bringing yourself to the character and there's always stuff going on whether you're in work you're out of work um and it's always about finding the positives and being kind to people because i don't know why you wouldn't be and telling yourself you're enough like there's even uh like some days i'll go to rehearsals and i'll go oh god and there's still things i'm not getting right and i'm going oh and you can get so frustrated with yourself and cry and like there's still sometimes i'm go oh and and people only see the end product and they go, oh, that's amazing, which is so lovely. But there's also days when I go, oh, I'm still not getting that right. That wasn't good enough. And you can be so hard on yourself that um, Shobna, who plays Ray, she's gorgeous. I love her. The other day I was like, oh, I'm still not getting it right. And I was really stressed. And she called me into her room. She pointed at the mirror and she's got a thing across her mirror in her dressing room that just says, you are enough. And she pointed at it and she went, that's you. She went, you are enough. And I was like, oh, and that's all I needed in that moment to go, right, come on, let's go back. Let's fight this and let's get this right. So, um, so it is, it's so important um, to, to kind of be able to differentiate between what's your personal life and what's the character, but then put it all together and hopefully we have a great mashup. <laughs> but ultimately we have so much fun and I love it. But there, obviously there's days when I'm like, oh God, this is going on in my life and I've just got to go on and do this show and yeah. So look, you're someone who's gone from almost finishing your performing career to being in one of the hottest new shows on the West End playing the lead many nights a week Um, you have about 16,000 combined followers on social media which is insane and you're also now performing sellout solo shows in London Um, this is obviously a huge lifestyle change how has that affected your mental health over the past year and a bit? Um, yeah, to be honest, it's been completely bonkers. It's something I kind of always dreamed of. I've sung at loads of amazing concerts with people before where their concert's been sold out, and I've been like, oh my God, imagine if it was your concert. And then when it was my concert, I was like, this is so weird. I actually said at my concert, I was like, oh my God, thanks for coming. And then when I came out for the second half, I was like, thanks for staying. But it's just been amazing, to be honest. It's kind of been a bit of a blur. Like, I'm so grateful for all of it. Like, I do not take it for granted at all because I've, I know the struggle of, like, getting to this point and... Um, and I, I would love to be able to help other people that have been in like my situation of kind of going to auditions and being like, come on, come on, come on, come on. And like at my concert recently, I did um, I did a workshop of Prom Queen recently um, and we worked with some GSA third years and they were the loveliest people and 
amazing. I was literally like, oh my god, you guys sing better than me. Help, get me singing lessons. Um, <laughs> um, but there was three of them that I asked to come and sing at my concert with me, and they, Danielle Fiamania, Martha Kirby, and Cameron Burr, and they are phenomenal. And I was like, I would love to be able to like help you guys in any way, because I know that like when you come out of drama school, it's scary, and like getting opportunities to do things um, can be really hard. So we got to help each other, but. And, uh, and I'm so grateful for all the like support and stuff that I've received. Um, and it's just been amazing. And my concert as well. I'm doing some more soon. Yay! Um, but it was so much fun. It was so much fun to sing kind of the stuff I wanted to sing that I've never had the chance to sing before. Um, and yeah, it's been, it's been a kind of a whirlwind. But the fans and stuff, I adore them all. They're amazing, so supportive. And it's amazing to see how much the show means to them. I actually got a birthday book from Krista, who's one of the fans. She'll love this if she's listening. Hi, Krista. Um, and she she made a, a, a book. I wish I had it with me to show you. And it's got all these pictures in of like me with different fans and stuff at stage door. And like, all these lovely personalised messages and like pictures of me as Jamie. I've got an amazing birthday video. Um, the the uh, West End Corner, Ella. Hi, Ella. Um, did, and um, she... It was really cute. It was like 10 minutes long with all these lovely birthday messages and it was adorable. Yeah. So obviously with this massive platform that you now have, the downside of that is obviously online trolling. Um, you briefly spoke about it at the start. Do you worry? Is this something you worry about for the future and how, how are you preparing yourself to go forward knowing that you have this platform and to make sure that your mental health stays in top form? Um, I, to be honest, I just discuss it with my friends if I see anything negative. Someone had commented on the West End Live video saying, mm, he's okay, but it's too macho. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. And like, you, I always tell myself, you're never going to please everyone. Like, um, and people are always going to compare, like, people are always going to compare me and John. Um, and that's fine I don't mind it's it's whatever I think John is phenomenal I've said this to John before I think he's incredible and as far as I see it I'm there to cover John um and and I will do my own take on Jamie and it's it's going to be different because we're different people um and yeah I just think you just need to kind of kind of kind of find that find the light in it because people there's always going to be online trolls and i i saw one comment someone had seen me as jamie and they'd said um yeah he was good but um i i just thought it was unbelievable that he was supposed to be this glamorous 16 year old boy because he was so sweaty <laughs> they saw the show in summer when it was like 35 degrees and i was literally dripping sweat um so sometimes you just got to kind of find the light in it and just kind of keep yourself focused on what you're doing and kind of just why I'm there, I'm there to tell this amazing story about this amazing boy who's gone out and, and the story's helping so many people. So for me, that's, that will always be enough. One last question to finish off before a little game before we finish. Would you, at this day and age, at this moment in your life, be able to go into work or talk to friends, family and say, I'm having a bad mental health day? Um, yes, certain friends I would. Other friends, maybe not because I don't want to, I, I was, I, it's the thing of wanting to burden someone, you don't want to burden someone with your, um, I nearly said the S word, with your beep, um, but um, equally I think it's important to be able to speak to people because you always feel better for it, um, and we shouldn't apologise for how we feel as well, um, and because I think sometimes we do, I know I do, if I'm having a bad day or I speak to someone, then afterwards I go up to them and I'm like, oh God, I'm so sorry, and they go, it's completely fine, because I don't mind if someone wants to come talk to me. I'm like, I'm all ears because I think it's so important to voice when we're not feeling good. Um, 
because we all we're all human. We all have ups and downs. Um, and I always tell myself if I'm feeling a bit poo, I'm like it's all temporary. It's not going to last forever. And and I always write down. I always think it's important to write down a list of all the things you're grateful for because I can guarantee there's way more good things happening than you realise. Um, and the goods will always outweigh the bads and the bads will pass and um, it's about making sure you're surrounded with a group of people that you love and that are on your wavelength um, which I think is so important I've had some friends say to me oh and on social media they look like they're having the best time and then they go oh, I'm not happy at all and I say oh why and they, they, they because they're surrounding themselves with people that maybe aren't bringing out the best in them so I think it's important to surround yourself with people that see the best in you you see the best in them and that you can be open and honest with um, yeah absolutely absolutely so to finish off we're going to play another wee game just of finishing the sentences so again I will just uh, say them say what comes into your head when I was at drama school I wish there was more <laughs> I nearly said bogeys <laughs> I don't know why do you know when you just get bogeys um, I don't know I've said it now bogeys I don't know help Singing helps me. Concentrate. What? On the top of my Christmas list is... A PSP. What? It's not. My guilty pleasure is... Celine Dion. In the future, I want to... Be dear Evan Hansen. <laughs> yes, we love that. Look, thank you so much for joining us. It's been so insightful to hear you... <laughs> Scarlett's asking him to riff right now. Um, it's been so insightful to hear you talk. Um, so thank you so much for joining us. If you would like to be featured on the podcast or you just have any thoughts that you'd like to share with us, please give us an email on industrymindsuk at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at, at industrymindsuk to hear about all our upcoming interviews and our guests. We are also on Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe and give us a cheeky five-star review if you like what you hear. Thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you very, very soon. Okay, so let's get started. Okay, let's get started.